Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it, let's get it, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's another episode of Civics for the Culture, and I thank you, I thank you, 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 you for tuning in, listening, watching, however you are consuming this content right now, this knowledge, this game, as we're about to soak it up, this history that we're about to soak up as we do on each and every episode, because remember, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a politician. However, I'm someone just like you that has the access and that has the will, right? Because it takes some will and that has the responsibility and accountability to go ahead and say, hey, I need to learn about the system. I need to learn about how it's been set up. I need to learn about how my people got to this point. Right. We, I mean, we get straight into it. Look, I'm your host, po- Benny, a.k.a. Poetically, P-O-E-T-I-C-L-E-E. Williams, you can follow me on Instagram, Poetically, P-O-E-T-I-C-L-E-E. If you're watching, you can see it right there below me. Um, Also, follow Watch Lotus X, YouTube, SoundCloud, Watch Lotus X. Um, A lot of different content that is here to rebirth your purpose of living because we have to rebirth our purpose of living. We have to. We have to. It's, it's needed because the purpose that we've been raised under, the purpose that we've been brought into this world under is a purpose that feeds into uh, greed. It's a purpose that feeds into capitalism. It's a purpose that feeds into systemic racism. It's a purpose that feeds into all these these negative cycles that actually don't benefit us and actually don't uplift us and unite us as Americans. What they do is they separate us. What they do is they classify us. And what they do is they, it creates this judgmental system of who's better than who. Mm, I'm saying a lot early. I'm saying a lot early. Keep up, keep up, keep up. <laughs> I'm saying a lot early and I'm saying these things because it's not often do you do we actually step back in our own history classes and hear someone actually make accountability of hey, saying when I say someone, I mean, hey, it's not often that you're in a history class. You, hear, you see white students or you see a white teacher say, hey, yeah, I have to look in the mirror myself personally and take accountability of what my ancestors did because you have to take accountability because it created a mindset. I am doing this show. I'm a black man raised in the South, but I'm doing this show and I take accountability of some of the the, the ways that I was raised under and how it's kind of hindered myself even towards my own culture. Yes, I'm black is black. And yes, I love my culture. But however, there are things that we were raised up under that we just like the word picnic. You know, that's another episode we'll get into and how that word came about. But there are many different things and facets that we go over uh, on this. If you oh man, so many different episodes. I was getting ready to just talk about Jim Crow. We don't ever get me. I'm, I'm get, I get into a 30 minute, easy 30 minute conversation about Jim Crow era because of how it's impacting in the mindset it birthed of my people and of just all cultures here and how we should so and how we should socialize and how we interact amongst each other. Oh, it's it's, 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 sometimes it can be frustrating, right? It can be frustrating because if you really think about it, if you really, really, uh, if you really think about it, like we lived in this, we're living in a world where there's a separation of classism, racism. There's a separation between us as people, but yet we're supposed to unite. It's supposed to be United States. Where's the hypocrisy? You, where is it? Where is it? Right. You know, we're supposed to be here joint together. However, there is this division. And what is the cause of that division? Right. Hmm. What have been the ways and methods that we're going to talk about today with the Green Book uh, that we've had to kind of 
slither our way through the hate, slither our way through the methods that were here to hinder us, right? So what is our way? What is our methods, right? Because everything takes strategy. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. I, I, I'm going to do some, sometimes I'm doing some dog whistling, right? Because some things you just can't say out loud. As, I, as I'll say, if you know me, there's public conversations and there are private conversations for reasons. I like to be transparent. However, there's a lot of nuance that's taken in. There's a lot of uh, dialogue and and um, understand the language of our people, understand the language of uh, times that you have to really soak in. So in order for me to really, I can't really sometimes, not that I can't, but I won't sometimes go uh, fully just throwing out strategies because we got to understand the history first. We can't strategize without understanding the history and understand to really trigger us and say, hmm, okay, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. And one of the things I want to talk about today is the Green Book, which I'm now becoming aware of and really, and it's really blowing my mind because it shows how we're not just monolithic as people. We, we It shows the human side of us. It shows the, uh, it shows our, how our mind really expands and how it should expand and how we because honestly, you grow up and you think about the South, you think about just black people and not just the South, but just across America. And what do you think? I'm going to ask that to you. I want you to think about that. What do you think about black people? How do you think we we thought? How do you think we act? How do you think we we carried ourselves in those times other than just probably out of fear of our lives? Right. Which is causes a lot of trauma down down the lines. So from that standpoint. I'm asking you that that question just for you to think about because a lot of times you may not we the the the, the geniusness right the geniusness of our our own DNA and the geniusness of of how we move gets lost not talked about and how and how we can move as a culture not just move in one direction and with no pun intended we're talking about the Green Book which is the Black Traveler's Guide to Jim Crow America which yeah, you're going to need that. <laughs> you're going to need that back in those times. Uh, shit, might need it today. Because of, Jim, if you listen to, I'm not even going to go into details of Jim Crow, but I will say this. Go back and listen to our episode of Jim Crow uh, Etiquette. Because that right there will show you a little bit. As we And we're going to have more episodes where we talk about Jim Crow. Uh, actually, there's a new show starting soon on Watch Lotus X. Make sure you tune into it. Called Changing Courses. And the whole thing about that is, as we talk about civics for the culture, we talk about kind of the civic duty of our people, right? And how we've had to move in, in legalities of, of certain measurements. Changing course is going to talk about kind of the mindset and how we've kind of been locked in our own trauma of certain things and how we're going to kind of reroute those, right? We're going to get into that. However, the Green Book, which was really interesting, is, and once again, is the Black Traveler's Guide to Jim Crow America, which is Jim Crow is America. Jim Crow America is where we could not interact. We could not uh, integrate as people with whites, with other cultures, and not just be it your skin color, but also be it your uh, gender, be it your religion, you know, uh, be it your, um, did I say gender? Yeah, be it your gender. So let's get into that, right? Now I'm going to read this article um, from history.com. And it starts off like this. And this is written by Evan Andrews. Uh, the New York Public Library it starts off like this. There will be a day 
sometime in the near future when this God will not have to be published. That is when we as a race will have equal opportunities and privileges in the United, underline that word, United States. It will be a great day for us to suspend this publication for then we can go when wherever we please and without embarrassment. Wow. That quote alone right there starts off a lot of different tone, a lot of different um intensity and measurements and heaviness because it, when it when it just when it just ends right there where wherever we can go wherever we please and without embarrassment. You have times I don't know if a lot of people are watching right now but there's a show um on HBO and I just do a little promo of it, <laughs> but it's a really good show uh, called Lovecraft Country. And in the first episode, there's a scene where they're in, they're in a, um, they're in, a, they go into a restaurant and they don't get served, right? I'm just going to tell a little bit of that part. They don't get served. And this has been the, you've seen this over and over. Maybe you haven't, maybe you have. You've seen this over and over in so many different uh, movies or shows where a black family, a black couple, a black person goes into a restaurant, they can't be served. They get they get they get teased at when they're at a gas station. They get teased at being out in public, being a monkey or whatever a white man or white woman wants to do or say or want to kind of portray of that person in fun. And they can do it because of what Jim Crow laws of how the etiquette. We're not going to go deep into that. Go watch the episode. Back to the article. <laughs> That's how I had to digress. Um, that was how the authors of the Negro Motorist Green Book ended the introduction to their 1948 edition. In the pages that followed, they provided a rundown of hotels, guest houses, service stations, drugstores, taverns, barbershops, and restaurants that were known to be safe ports of call for black travelers. The Green Book listed establishments and segregationist strongholds such as Alabama, Mississippi, but its reach also extended from Connecticut to California. Any place where its readers might face prejudice or danger because of their skin color. And we, with Jim Crow still looming over much of the country, a model on the guy's cover also doubled as a warning. Carry your Green Book with you. You may need it. One thousand percent. Don't want to get caught in the sundown town without my green book. Or don't want to get caught in the the mix of a sundown town in another town without my green book. All right. First published in 1936, the green book was the brainchild of a Harlem-based postal carrier named Victor Hugo Green. Like most uh, blacks in the mid 20th century, Green had grown weary of the discrimination blacks faced whenever they ventured outside their neighborhoods. Of course. So tired of this, man. I'm tired. I'm tired. I've got to create a way. That's how we move as people. Oh, that's how we move people. When we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, we're going to create a new method to make our life much better and much efficient and effective. Let's keep going. All right. Rates of car ownership had exploded in the years before and after World War II. But the lure of the interstate was also fraught with the risk of blacks. Whites-only policies meant that black travelers often couldn't find safe places to eat and sleep in so-called sundown towns, which we'll talk about, uh, municipalities that banned after dark, uh, that banned that banned blacks after dark. Excuse me, sundown towns and municipalities that banned blacks after dark were scattered across the country. As the forward of the 1956 edition of the Green Book noted. The white traveler has had no difficulty in getting accommodations, 
But with the Negro, it has been different, right? Inspired, inspired by uh, inspired, inspired by earlier books published for Jewish audience, Green developed a, a uh, Green developed a guide to help blacks, black Americans indulge and travel without fear. The first edition of his Green book only covered hotels and restaurants in the New York area. But as we always do, we expand, baby. But he soon expanded his scope by gathering field reports from fellow postal carriers and offering cash payments to readers who sent in useful information because we got to work together. We got to be united. Right. We got if one thing we're going to live in the United States as black people. We're going to have to be united. We're going to have to know how to work together. When we see somebody else doing something that can help us together as people, we got to know, OK, support, support. That should be it. support black. You know what I'm saying? See how that if it's something that's useful to our lifestyle, useful to how we can move and how we can grow and how we can live in peace. Right. How we can live in peace and not fear. We got to support it. I love it. I love it. Let's keep reading. Uh, Where was I? Where was I? Okay. Uh, Offering cash payments to readers who send in useful information. All right. By early by the early 1940s, the Green Book boasted thousands of establishments from across the country, all of them either black owned or verified to be non-discriminatory. You damn right. If you're gonna work with us, we need to be you need to be verified. We need to see that blue check. And what did they have the blue check back then? <laughs> to be in the green book, you had to have the green check. All right. The 1949 guide encouraged hungry motorists passing through Denver to stop for a bite at the dude drop in. I got some people out in Denver. I wonder if the dude drop in is still there. Uh those looking for a bar in the Atlanta area were told to try the yeah man, sportsman smoke shop or butlers. In Richmond, Virginia, rest a bit was the go-to spot for ladies' beauty parlor. The Green Book's listings were organized by state and city, with the vast majority located in major metropolises, such as Chicago and Detroit. More remote places had fewer options. Alaska only had a lone entry in the 1960 guide. But even in the cities with no black-friendly hotels, the book often listed the addresses of homeowners. Come on now. We got to have some people on the home on the front. This is what I'm talking about, being on the front line. Sometimes you may not have an establishment. Right. But it doesn't mean that you still can't help out for the cause. That's what I love right here. Uh, so it listed the addresses of homeowners who were willing to rent rooms in 1954. Shout out to 1954. Uh, that's when my dad was born. <laughs> Random. Uh, in 1954, it suggested that visitors to tiny Roswell, New Mexico, should stay at the home of Miss Mary Collins. Shout out to Miss Mary Collins. She must have been a hot spot in Roswell, New Mexico. I've been in New Mexico. Boy, is it barely any black people there. <laughs> Just keeping it real. Uh, the Green Book wasn't the only handbook for black travelers. Another publication called Travel Guide was marketed with the tagline vacation and recreation without humiliation. OK, I see the rhyme scheme, but it was far. But it was far. But it was by far the most popular. Thanks to a sponsorship deal with Standard Oil, the Green Book was available for purchase at SO gas stations across the country, though largely unknown to whites. It eventually sold upwards of 15,000 copies per year. That's what I'm talking about. We know how to turn something for the culture, right, into a business. That's what we got. That's just how we move as people. So it was widely used by black businesses and travelers uh, and vacationers alike. In his memoir, A Colored Man's Journey Through 20th Century Segregated America, 
Earl Hutchinson Sr. described purchasing a copy in preparation for a road trip he and his wife took from Chicago to California. The Green Book was the Bible of every Negro highway traveler in the 1950s and early 1960s, he wrote. You literally didn't dare leave home without it. And I, whew, I can imagine that. I can imagine it. going through a time period where you literally had towns that banned you. You literally had uh, a, a <laughs> Jim Crow laws, not not just uh, quote unquote hearsay. You had Jim Crow laws of how you could not integrate, how you couldn't be in certain public areas. You damn right. You better carry that. Bi that green book was the Bible, because if you're out here, that is your life. Right. That is your life that you can put on the line by not being prepared, not knowing where the correct place to go. Ah, as its popularity grew, the Green Book expanded from a motorist companion to an international travel guide, travel guide, along with the suggestions for the United States. Later editions included information on airline and cruise ship journeys to places like Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean africa and europe oh man we're worldwide baby we know a number of our race who have long standing love affair with the tempestuous city of paris the 1962 green book noted the god also uh the god also offered travel tips and feature articles on certain cities the 1949 edition shined the spotlight on robbins illinois a town owned and operated by negroes in 19, that's another town. I never heard of Robbins, Illinois. So it's another town to look up. Uh, owned and operated by Negroes. In 1954, readers were encouraged to visit San Francisco, which was described as fast becoming the focal point of Negroes' future. Man, has that changed. In <laughs> uh, offering advice to its readers, the Green Book adopted a pleasant and encouraging tone. It usually avoided discussing racism in explicit terms, right? One article simply noted that the Negro traveler's inconveniences are many, but as the years pass, it began to champion the achievements of the civil rights movement. In one of his uh, last editions in 1963-64, it included a special, Your Rights Briefly Speaking, feature that listed state statutes related to discrimination and travel accommodations. The Negro is only demanding what every el everyone else wants. The article stressed, what is guaranteed all citizens by the Constitution of the United States, which we talked about that in previous episodes about how uh, about different uh, about different methods of um, uh, what it's about with the Civil Rights Movement, the Civil Rights Act. And we talked about that in a previous couple of previous episodes. So definitely go listen to Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act as well. Check out those. Victor Hugo Green, Victor Hugo Green died in 1960 after more than two decades of publishing his travel guide. His wife, Alma, took over as editor and continued to release the Green Book and updated editions um, for a few more years. But just as Green had once hoped, the March of Progress eventually helped push towards obsolescence. In 1964, the Civil Rights Act finally, finally banned racial segregation in restaurants, theaters, hotels, parks and other public places. Just two years later, the Green Book quietly ceased publication after nearly 30 years in print. Wow. And that is some black history, but also some little civics history. Why? Because it goes to point out how we once again had to move as people. It, go, it once again points out the, the civic responsibility we have amongst each other. Yes, it is a civic responsibility to, to inform us 
on how to keep how to just maintain our life in peace here right that is a civic duty how we can how we can help each other because it's not just about you it's not just about me me reading this yeah i can i can be home and just read this information just say wow this is useful for me but if i don't share this information with you if i don't share this information with someone else then they don't understand the passion they don't understand the triggers that are uh, that are pulled here in america when certain uh, incidents happen and they don't understand uh the true essence of what it means to be black in america right and what it and how we've been hindered uh, of hindered to be who we are how we've been hindered to travel as you saw it right here as i read here in the article we just wanted to travel wherever we can go without embarrassment that's it that's it so as we move forward in time as we move forward in our progress for unity as we move forward for our progress for all we have to remember that sharing this information we have to remember that learning our history how did we get here how did we get here? That's the ultimate question you should always ask yourself. How did I get in this moment? And that goes deep and then it goes deeper and it goes deeper and it goes deeper and it goes deeper. It's, un, it's infinite. The information that you'll find and the lessons that you'll learn deeper about yourself and deeper about society, deeper about the system, deeper about your people. The more that you ask the questions and the more that you learn. So that's what we're here to do each and every episode. This was the Green Book episode, uh, learning about the Green Book, because we need to learn how to travel. You know, as we're in this pandemic era, right, we're already being shown how some countries are uh, banning, banning travel to their areas, right? I'm saying something, but I'm not saying something. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. So we need to be wise and we need to, be, and we need to strategize on how we work together and um we need to make that happen, baby. Come on. We're going to do that each and every episode of Learning and Rising Up. You've listened to Civics for the Culture. I'm your host, Benny, a.k.a. Poetically, P-O-E-T-I-C-L-E-E. -E -E. Williams, you're listening right here on Watch Lotus X. Follow us on, on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud. Follow me on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud. Um, yes, and thank you. And once again, always remember, stay wise and let's rise.